Uh, today we're going to start uh, on a series where I'm going to talk about adoption and what adoption actually means and what it means to have a life, um, you know, that is actually born from God. And, you know, we've had this concept of adoption as, um, you know, parents that cannot have children and then they adopt someone else's children and uh, then, you know, this child has got this wonderful privilege where he maybe would have been a street kid or where he would have been um, in a place where he didn't have all the privileges and rights and now you actually give this right or this privilege to someone else's child. And with our traditional understanding of the adoption, wherein the Bible says that he has adopted us or he will adopt us, um, we've got this thing in our subconscious mind that, you know, we are actually not children of God and then we become children of God when he adopts us. You know, and when he says, you, you are now becoming my child. And we always live with this thing of, you know, um, God is not my real father. You know, I've got a real father here on earth and maybe the devil is my father. You know, and now, um, but at, thank God that he adopted me and has given me an opportunity, you know, to live with him. Now, that sense of adoption, if you look in the normal world, it's a very good thing because we help people, we give people uh, uh, life, but that can never be used to even think of the adoption mentioned in the Bible. The adoption mentioned in the Bible doesn't have anything to do with adopting a child that's not yours. That is not the biblical adoption. Biblical adoption, you first had to be a son of God before you could be adopted. Now, the word adoption, the moment I even say the word adoption, it's like um, just, you know, I, you know, even while I preach it, it's as if our minds just put adoption in a certain category. And uh, the word adopt was actually translated, I think in English we can find better words to translate the Greek word there, uh, you know, or actually the Hebrew concept uh, of adoption, which would actually be to prove where God proves that you are already his son or daughter. That is adoption. Adoption is God proving your sonship. That's adoption. So we can never and we should never live with a thing in our heart that, you know, God um, just felt pity on me and brought me into his house, but these are actually God's things and I've just got the privilege to live here. No. We must realize that when God looks at us, even when man was in his deepest sin, God loved man. He didn't look at the sin of man. He looked at who that person is. And there's a system through which he's going to prove the sonship. That the people belong to God. You know, the Bible says the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to God. And we are living on this planet. So we belong to God. You know, the thing is, in, in, in the gospel message, is that what belongs to God was taken into captivity... And then God came to redeem what already belongs to Him. So we cannot have this mentality of, you know, enough. I mean, I grew up in church, and, and uh, especially in the Pentecostal charismatic church, is like, these are the children of God, and those are the children of the devil. No. What we have is we have the children of God, and then we have people that have their life 
the life that's inside them born from the truth and belief in the truth we call them born again and the other children of God are, the, are people that don't believe in the Lord and they are busy dying but we can never have the mentality towards people on the outside that they are not God's children they might just be his child that's lost you know but it's not not God's child and uh, you know the moment we think of people that way your approach changes on how you preach the gospel to him you want him to um, to realize what God has done for him in order for him to be set free from what binds him so now you know our gospel is not a gospel of you know um, you can become a child one day of God you know but you're actually a child of the devil uh, now our gospel is listen that which brings forth the nature of Satan inside your life you've been redeemed from that and you can now have the nature of God manifest in your life based on a, a new truth you know that is what we can now preach and bring to people um, I'm gonna now we're gonna talk about this adoption I, I think we're gonna I mean we've I'm gonna start in the, at the end of Romans 5 and in the next Sundays we're gonna go through um, you know Romans 6 7 and 8 which will really explain this very well so you can have the concept of adoption really settle in your heart and remember I said to you this year I'm gonna talk about immortality and I'm gonna talk about the life that can manifest in us now that might sound complicated but don't stress about it we're just gonna start with the basics the Bible says in Romans uh, 5 from verse 17 it says for if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they that receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ therefore as by the offense of one this was Adam judgment came upon uh, upon all men unto condemnation even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life isn't that beautiful so through the disobedience of one man Adam condemnation came upon all people you know I find most atheists would say to me that the gospel doesn't make sense because when Adam was born Adam sinned and I became a sinner and now God wants to punish me because another man sinned and I became a sinner you know but God is not an unrighteous God if another man can bring you into sin unto death then it would only be righteous if one can take you out of that death and put you in life that is what the scripture says here I mean we read it right here therefore by the offense of one judgment came upon all men unto condemnation even so by the righteousness of one shall the free gift come upon all men unto the justification of life now what does that mean the justification of life that means that God will justify you by the power of the Holy Spirit unto eternal life you will eternally live because of the work of our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ 
Now there's a process in this which I'm going to explain because we can say now, you know, we're becoming old, you know, Bertie, I see your, your beard is turning gray. It doesn't mean I'm getting old, it just means I'm maturing. <laughs> no, that's all. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my, I was there at the university. So it's like good red wine, yeah. It's, I was at the university and I looked at Aubrey, you know, and they're busy there dancing and everything. And I look at all the young people and I realized, man, when you're so young, you know, you're so full of life. You know, you just see that getting old is not even a thought. You know, it's just like, I'm going to live forever. You know, that's the feeling that you can see there. Um, and we see, but we're still becoming old. We see people are still dying. But here the scripture says that Jesus will justify us the just, with a justification of life. That is his plan. The plan that God has with man is that in the return of Jesus Christ by his doing that there will be so much life manifesting from our spirit that our physical bodies will enter into immortality and never die. And that's what's going to happen. Even if, you've, even if you're dead 12,000 years, the Spirit of God, the life of God that's inside you, possesses so much power that it will raise you from the grave. That's the power of this resurrection. Now you might say, but, you know, but what does that mean to me today? And this is what we're going to get to now. It says in verse... Um, Verse 20, it says, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace much more abound. Now what does that mean? It means that when Adam sinned, you know, death came to all men, but when the law came, it activated or actually um, was like a catalyst, making the sin even manifest more. So the purpose of the law is not for a man to live righteous by. The purpose of the law was to manifest death. That was the purpose of the law. Okay, that's what it says here. And it says that it abounded this death in man. So the law can never save you. The law can never make you righteous. You, you can try and obey the Ten Commandments. Now I saw somebody now, you know, they're having a, a, a big meeting where, where it is, let's get back to the obedience of the law. Expecting 20,000 people. And they're going to build it like a, you know, the whole thing is like a tabernacle and they've got the outer court, the inner court, the most holy place and people will now walk there and it's like, I took a picture of it, I sent it to Niku. I said, are we going? <laughs> <coughs> it's amazing. You know, the law cannot save you. Rules and regulations can never bring forth the life of God inside you. The, 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 the Bible clearly says that the law is the, the power of sin. The purpose of the law was to show you in a, to, to accelerate the death in you so that you can come to the realization that you can cognitively see I cannot do it I will never be able to reach it I'll never be able to obey God I will never be able to live on the standard that there is of life that's inside God by my own willpower I'll never it will kill me so that we can say this doesn't work there must be something else and behold Christ and what is done for us and have life now it goes on it says now it says here 
but even if gray, even if the law had this ability to manifest sin, there's something that's even more powerful than that, and that is grace. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So what is the grace of God? The grace of God is the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, where He doesn't look at your sin, where He brings a new reality, which is a human being seated at the right hand of the Father as the truth about every man, so that when we see this thing God has done, that when we believe that, just like when we tried by the law to be righteous, we found sin manifest in us. So, when we believe this truth, we find as effortless as what sin manifested in us, we find righteousness manifest in us. We start to love people, and we start to think of people not according to their works anymore. We start to look at people and say, you know, I don't see them as sons of the devil anymore. All of a sudden you have compassion on them. All of a sudden you say, this is not him that does this wrong thing. It's their wrong belief that's bringing forth this. This person is taken captive by lies, you know, and you've got a compassion that starts to rise in your heart. And you find that as sin was born in you, when you bring forth legalism and law, so the righteousness of God is born in you by just the persuasion that there's a man in the Trinity and that his life is your life. That's it. As simple as that. We, you know, it, it doesn't make sense for the human mind to tell you that if I bring laws and regulations that it's going to bring forth sin. It, it doesn't make sense because it looks as if, but that will make you live holy. But it just doesn't work that way. It's like Joseph Prince said, you know, take a, 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 a sweet little girl that's three years of age and she's playing on the carpet with some toys. And then you tell her, you know, and, you, and what you then do is you put a bowl on the shelf, in, in the kitchen shelf, in, in, the kitchen, in the kitchen cupboard, and you tell her nothing about the bowl, you just leave her. You know what she'll do? She'll just play there. But the moment you tell her, you see there's a bowl there, and you're not allowed to look into that bowl, and leave. You will find that there is a force and a power that will bring forth something inside her that was that she never knew was in her that the mom maybe didn't even know but it will come forth and manifest by the power of that law in the very same way when like that supernatural thing that happens to a human when he's, when he's under the law, in the very same way, when you can see yourself united with God in Christ, and you can see that His innocence and His righteousness belongs to you, and that you are innocent before God, that you're united before God, as effortlessly as what sin would manifest in that young girl, so effortlessly you find the righteousness of God manifest in you. And the Bible says, listen to this verse, that as sin has reigned unto death, how did sin reign unto death? Through the law. 
Okay? Even so might grace reign through righteousness. So the grace of God, which in the Greek means the influence of God by His love upon our hearts, he, the way He influences us will reign through Him bringing forth a new life in us and the end of that will be eternal life. So this power of grace possesses the ability to change uh, um, you know our behavior and it even possesses the ability to renew our youth and make us immortal one day now like I said before I'm not expecting immortality this afternoon you know what I'm expecting when I expect immortality is in the physical return of Christ that's when we will have it but what we need to know for today is that the power that we've got to do with is the power that can take a body that's dead for 10,000 years and raise him up that that body will look like the body of Jesus that is the power of God inside us that reigns in righteousness where we don't try to bring forth righteousness but where God raises us up into righteousness and that's what we're going to read in verse 6 chapter 6 verse 1 listen to what it says here it says what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein now let me explain that you know that verse is a, a verse that's used by most people that are against the message of God's unconditional love mercy and grace they use that verse and say, yeah, you see, here, here, here Paul comes and he writes about the grace of God and he goes to chapter 6 verse 1 and he says, shall we then continue, what shall we say then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, shall we, you know, where, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. What that means is, it doesn't matter what the law did, when the grace of God came, it was greater than all our sin that's what it means and now it says shall we continue in sin listen to what he says here he says God forbid so what he's saying is shall we as people still be under this whole system of sin and death now that we are under grace he says no God forbid the word forbid in the Greek is the word ginomai which means to be born to be born it's the same word where it says and they will receive the, uh, when you receive Jesus you will receive the power to become the son of God that word become there is the very same Greek word or you must be born again the very same word you know which means to be generated or to come forth so it says here shall we now listen to the power whereby we live in the message of grace when we can behold a human being seated at the right hand of the Father and as we hear the message of this human being at the right hand of the Father as talking about us and being the only truth about us there's a power of birth that is released that comes forth wherein God gives birth to his life in you so the grace message is not the message that says God forgave your sin in Jesus so you better be very grateful and now show your gratitude by living a holy life that is the message of the devil yes. 
The message of God's grace is what Jesus has done in Jesus, or what the Father has done in Jesus, is so great that when you can see that and behold that as the only truth of your life, that God will give birth to who God is in you, and so you will live forever by the life of God. Amen. We don't pay God with good works because we're grateful for what He's done for us in Jesus. And if we don't pay Him with good works, then He sends us to hell. No. God didn't come in Jesus and gave His Son so that we can be saved by what His Son has done and then given us the final word in the sense of we can maintain our salvation by our good works. That would be crazy. That would be building a castle in a mud puddle. It's going to fall. Jesus is the foundation of our life. So here he comes and he says, you know, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, we're not going to continue in the law system. We're not going to continue. What does it mean to continue in sin that grace may abound? Under the law, sin abounded. And then grace did much more abound. So will we continue in sin? What does that mean? Will we continue under the law, sin abounds? No, we will not. We're going to be finished with the law now. We don't need the law anymore. We've got a different reality from where we can live. And now it goes on and it says here that um, God will forbid the sin. God will basically cease the sin to exist by Him giving birth to a new life in you. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Can you see that Jesus comes here and he's not, or Paul comes here and he's not saying to us that we must leave our sin? What he's saying to us is have a revelation of what happened on the cross. Amen. He says, Don't you know that we were baptized with him into his death? And the death Jesus died was the death of the lawman. He died the death of the man that can die. And he brought forth a brand new man. Okay? We're going to look at how this, come, how this new man comes forth. And that's how we're going to end the service. He says, Now, um, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. And that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also should we walk in newness of life. Now, listen to this. I've, I've heard this many times. And I've preached it before. You get saved. You receive Jesus, now you're a child of the Lord, now you're going to obey the Lord and you're going to do whatever He says. And Lord, what do you tell me? If I must go to China, I'm going to go to China. If I must go to, it's always China or somewhere in Africa, you know, because we connect God with pain and suffering, you know, so He'll send me to a place where it's bad. And, um, you know, God, whatever you tell me, I'm going to do because now my life is yours and I will do something back for you. God never, that was never God's plan. God doesn't want you to do something back. He wants to come and live in you. And that's enough. It's the doing back where the problem comes in. It is Him living in us where we find true victory, true generosity, true love. 
And here he comes and he says, um, in this verse, let me read it again. He says, We were buried, buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so also should we walk in newness of life. He explains how we as Christians will walk in newness of life. How? As Jesus was raised from the dead. How was Jesus raised from the dead? By the glory of the Father. So what happens? When Jesus died, did He raise Himself from the dead? No. So that means someone had to raise Him from the dead. Who raised Jesus from the dead? The Holy Spirit. Yes. In uh, one instance it says the Holy Spirit, another verse it says the glory of the Father. The glory of the Father or the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Now the gospel we've heard for so many times is Jesus died for you so you must now raise yourself up. Yeah. You know, and live the new holy life. No, no, no. He says, as Christ, as we were buried with Him in baptism, and He was then raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so should we live in newness of life. So how will you have the newness of life? By Jesus dying your death, and by the Father raising holiness up in your life by His doing. That's how you walk in newness of life. I found this very difficult to explain to some of my preacher friends. Because it's, it's this thing of, how can we expect God will raise me up in a new holy life by His doing? A dead man cannot raise himself, he's dead. But the Father raised the Son from the dead, and when He raised Him from the dead, He proved to all of mankind that this Son and to all of the angels, this Jesus is my Son, and He proved it by the resurrection, saying that the eternal, immortal life that's possessed by the Father dwells in this man as well. Therefore, He must be the God kind. He must be of God, for He lives forever in righteousness. And that is what the Bible says, how we will walk in newness of life. So, if I've got an anger problem, if I've got a, a, a problem with um, whatever bothers you, if, if that is your problem, what do you do? You say, Father, thank you for showing me Jesus. Thank you for continuing to show me the truth about my life, which is Christ. And as your heart is persuaded of this truth, you find that the, the, the death that you died with Him in Christ, that's one part of it, but you find then that the Father raises you up in a new life. So, the new life is by, okay, how will sin stop to exist? Listen to what it says here. God forbid. Shall we continue in sin? No, for God gives birth. Shall we continue in the old life of law and all its death? No, for God brings forth life by birth. Amen. What does a child do in order to be born? Nothing. His mother gives birth to him. Mm. How do we have a new life? 
by our God, by the Holy Spirit, which is also seen as the mother figure in the Trinity. Father, you know, we get Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's Father and the Holy Spirit, and from this Spirit, we find that the life of Jesus, Jesus was the first born from the dead. So Jesus was born in His resurrection. I'm not saying He never existed before that. I'm just saying the man possessing immortality was born of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought Him forth. So how will we walk in newness of life? By the Spirit giving birth. And no other way. And the measure, the, the, the method through which this birth takes place is very simple. A seed gets sown into your heart. That seed is a word. What is the word? The word is the message that there is a man seated at the right hand of the Father which spells your union with God, which spells the end of all sin, which spells the end of all unrighteousness, which talks about the harmony between God and man. When that seed can fall into your heart and have the deepest part of your heart and your heart start to believe it, it I can promise you that God gives birth to love, peace, joy, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, faith, temperance, faithfulness into your life. We don't pay God with those good works so that we can maintain our salvation. The good works is part of the salvation. Amen. Glory to God. Let me read it again. Therefore, we are buried with Him in bapti by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this that the old man is crucified the old man is not the old one that smoked and 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 slept around that's not the old man the old man here is the man that was finding his righteousness by works knowing that the old law man the the Jude, judaism man the ten commandment man um, you know was crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed so what did god do he took the law put it inside jesus and crucified that system yes. okay why so that the body of sin this this Power, this with that which empowers sin and death in us might be destroyed so that we can have life Amen. by his doing glory to God for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this that the old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not be a slave of sin for he that is dead is free from sin can you see how God made it his responsibility to bring holiness forth in your life and is not putting it on your side of the court to bring it forth he says God came and he saw that sin is killing people and then he looked at this, these people and he said, what is causing this sin? He says, ah, it's this mentality of, I am what I do and I will find life by my own works. That's what's killing them. 
Okay, let me do this. Let me incarnate myself into that body and into that system. And then I'll crucify it. It will die. Then if that dies, then, these then that which empowers these people unto sin would have died. And now they can have a heart persuaded of the truth of this resurrection. And as they are persuaded of this, I will raise them up into this very same life. Can you see how salvation, that wonderful scripture in the Bible that says, salvation belongs to our God. Doesn't belong to you. <laughs> Not that I say He will not save you. What I mean by that is, salvation is not your work. It's the work of God. His name shall be called Jesus. Why? For He will save His people from their sins. It doesn't say, His name shall be called Jesus, for He will command His people to stop their sin. It's not what's written there. What's written is, his name will be called Jesus. Joshua, actually. In the Old Testament, the name of Jesus was mentioned many times. Joshua, Savior. Even Jacob said, I waited for my Savior. So in the very same way, he shall be called Savior. If, if there's a lifeguard... And he saves your life. Why do you call him the savior of your life? For he came and saved you from something you could not save yourself from. You would have died. But he came and saved you. So is the gospel plan wherein we shall be raised up by the glory of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Now let me uh, explain that in, in, in closing. The word glory in the Greek means, you know, there's different meanings. One of the meanings there is a view or an opinion. Okay? A view or an opinion. So Jesus was raised by the view and opinion of God. Another way of saying view and opinion is the word spirit spirit means a vital principle or a life principle that's in the trinity so in the trinity is a certain principle of life in the trinity is a certain reality a certain spirit by which God lives and as pertaining to us that spirit there is the spirit of our innocence it's the spirit of our perfection it's the spirit that says the law man has died it's a spirit that says the high priest of mankind Jesus in human flesh is seated at the right hand of the father that is the spirit wherein God dwells now that spirit he poured out on the earth he died our death he poured out that spirit on the earth so that whosoever can receive that spirit will be raised by that view and opinion that God has from the death that he is in the only way you can be raised from the death of a marriage that's going backwards, the only way uh, um, you, know, you can be raised up from things that bind you in your life is by the Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of your innocence, which is the Spirit of forgiveness, which is the Spirit of union between you and the Father. There is no other Spirit by which you can be raised. That is the very Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. 
The way that Spirit enters you is by hearing and then your heart gets persuaded and you don't live in the spirit of I'm a sinner, I'm bad, I'm rejected, I'm this. You start to live in. I, his life is my life. And then that spirit raises you up. That's why we can never, through tithing and sowing and reaping teachings, get the church to generosity. Because now it is just, I'm lusting for more money, so now I'm going to pay my tithe to the church, and I'm going to sow my money to the church, and then I'm going to have more money. You're never getting free. When you can start to say that, you know, everything concerning my future financially is taken care of, for I am united with God in Christ. And the life of God is my life. Once that starts to take place in your heart, you find that God resurrects you. He raises you up as a generous, stress-free person. On the way here in the car, I said to Helena, I'm so grateful, you know, for the life that God has brought forth in me. I'm grateful for it. I find that stress, you know, in so many areas of my life has just left me. I find so much peace. I find, like Paul said, you know, Paul, Paul came and, and he came to a conclusion one day and he said, you know what? It is not I who live. He had to come to the conclusion and say that Christ is resurrected in me. It's not I who live. I've died. But I find God is living in me. And we have read that verse and said, you know, the old man has died, you know, so you better now live the new man. That's not the gospel. <laughs> That's not what Paul was communicating. Paul was communicating and saying this, if you can see yourself united with the Father, if you can see the Jesus as the truth about your life, you will find that God lives in you. And you will find what it feels to co-feel with God, to co-think with God. One of the, one of the uh, um, examples of this is, is in, in just a very practical thing. My son, Aubrey, he, was, he found us, he says, Dad, we need to buy another textbook, you know. Now those textbooks, they're expensive. So this one was 800 rand. So he needs this book. I said, well, if you need to go and buy it, we'll put the money in. We put the money in for him. He must go and buy it. So I found him. I said to him, did you buy the book? He said, no, I didn't buy the book. He says, I, I'm waiting. I says, what are you waiting for? He says, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't want to buy the book. Now I'm thinking, now on my side, I think, okay, now if you don't get the book and there's one left, and they're not going to print more, you're only going to get it on a tablet format after that, then you've got to study off, your, off a tablet or off the phone, and that's going to be difficult, you know? So, I just felt, said to him, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. And then he phones later, he says, you know, I didn't buy that book. And I went through my cupboard and I realized I've already got the book. <laughs> you know, he was running around so he didn't even know which books he's got and which he doesn't. So, but he says, I just feel, he says, I don't know why I wait, but I wait. And that is the kind of life where I want to say Christ starts to live in you.
where you feel what God feels. God, God is feeling you've already got the book. <laughs> you don't have to buy the book. God's feeling, you know, you're tired, go and sleep on your bed, you know. That's what God's feeling. So you find Christ start to live in you. You find things happen to you on account of this finished work. So I want to encourage you, church. Um, I want to encourage you that the best thing you can ever do, and, and, and please don't underestimate this, just take five minutes and say, Lord, I want to just meditate by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by my own cognitive thought, but just by you. Reveal to me my union with you. My heart is so available. This is what the Bible says here. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. What that means is don't fool around with the law. Because the way you yield your member as an instrument for unrighteousness is when you come to a message that says I am not righteous you are yielding yourself and your members your body as an instrument that this unrighteousness can use unto death but yield your members as you know as instruments of righteousness so in other words I'm saying I am righteous and this body is available for the resurrection power of Christ where I free from my own works and human willpower and will worship I will have the life of God by God living in me by his resurrection power now that's different you know than the gospel I've heard for some years this makes me happy you know this really makes me happy I was I was on a, in a discussion with somebody on Facebook on um, <clears throat> concerning grace and you know this guy's against the hyper grace message and everything and I said there you know the hyper grace message will continue to set people free with true freedom with true freedom you know I don't want to put a thousand rand in the offering plate because I feel well that's my Christian duty I want to feel the passion that God feels you know and I want I want God to live in me before I do something preaching the gospel you know I'm going in, in, in April I'm going to the United States to go and preach there again and I can't go there you know I, I, I don't want to go there because that's what I do once a year the, the righteousness of God gives birth to a passion for people and that takes you somewhere and if it's not there then I stay at home that's the way we live that's the Christian life we've been so used to something that's fake that we cannot even imagine that God can give birth how will, how will sin stop to exist? by God giving birth not by your willpower and you are just intimate with him and through intimacy fruit comes forth Amen Father thank you for your gospel thank you for the people that are here today I thank you Lord that this message will just touch so many people's lives Father and not just that but thank you Father for the reality of having a life born from you we always thought that we are 
the product of our own works. Meantime, we were the product of our own belief. And dead works was born in us. The fruit of the flesh is called the fruit of flesh, of being in a fleshly system. But thank you, Father, that you have made a spirit system available to us so that we can be born from that. And the same effort as what there is, is what, as, as what there is in the baby to be born. The same effort is for us. Father, we find that the pain is not on the side of the baby when the baby gets born, but on the side of the mother. And you went through the pain to bring us forth as a new kind of a being and from this truth we can have the individual birth where we find your righteousness born in us free from our efforts thank you that you love man so much that you actually became one and so saved us thank you father I pray for these people. I thank you, Lord, as they are going home. People will watch, will watch via the internet as they're going home. They will just find that this birth take place and testify of the life of God born in you and in them. Thank you for them, Father. Thank you for them and that we can preach to them, that we can minister to them, that we can co-minister with you, that you would live in us. Amen and amen.